Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. I've always said that I really wanted to get an, X, an Xfinity car. Um, I just really never knew how to get about that, like who to contact and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we had a really good run at the Indy 500 this year, getting seventh. And I think that opened up some doors. And, you know, I'm really excited to... Uh, to be on board with Jordan Anderson Racing in the number 31 Montage Mountain uh, Chevy Camaro. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun going to one of my favorite tracks at, you know, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course this time. So I'm looking forward to it. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. Trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley here at Dover International Speedway in Dover, Delaware, along with the rest of the MRN crew. And coming up on the show today, we've got a fast forum with Dave Moody and Alex Hayden. We're going to do a little review of the racing we've done so far here in 2021. And also, we're going to address the recent playoff shakeup. Compliments of Eric Almarola winning the last time out at New Hampshire. News came down the line this week that the driver that finished seventh in this year's Indianapolis 500, Sage Karam, is going NASCAR Xfinity Series racing. We'll connect the dots. Sage will join the show here in just a few moments. Also, NASCAR charters. You've heard that buzzword a lot, or those buzzwords as it is and were. That demand is high in 2021 for the 2022 season. We'll get to the bottom of that. And also, we'll take a look at NASCAR's relationship with the Olympics, and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle? Mike, while all three of NASCAR's national series were off last weekend, not every driver went on a tropical vacation. Several were back in the seat, racing at short tracks across the country. Ty Dillon competed in the Summer Showdown Super Late Model event at the Evergreen Speedway in Monroe, Washington. Ryan Priest raced a modified at the Star Speedway in New Hampshire. Josh Berry ran the Hampton Heat 200 late model race at the Langley Speedway in Virginia in one. As did Ty Gibbs, who led every lap but one in Saturday night's Arkham Menard Series race at the Iowa Speedway 
to claim his sixth ARCA win of the season in the first 11 races. Several of these same drivers will be back at short tracks across the country this weekend as NASCAR takes a second consecutive weekend off due to NBC's coverage of the Olympic Games. And NTT IndyCar Series driver Sage Karam will make his NASCAR debut next month at the Xfinity Series race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Karam, who will drive for Jordan Anderson Racing, has 26 IndyCar Series starts dating back to 2014, scoring a career-high third at the Iowa Speedway in 2015, driving for Chip Ganassi. He finished seventh in this year's Indianapolis 500. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Alex Hayden and Dave Moody. Join me for a Fast Forum. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. So glad you are with us here on our weekly get-together. Let's bring in a couple of colleagues here. Going to have a fast forum with Alex Hayden. You hearing him in the tower with Jeff Striegel. And we'll also bring in Dave Moody. Hear him out high atop turns one and two. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Alex, I'll begin with you. How is your off time doing? Uh, it's been quite nice, actually. It was an opportunity uh, in the middle of the summer to get away and spend some time down in the Florida Keys, out in the water and on the water. I, I got to tell you, though, I I'm Jones and I'm ready to get back to the racetrack, though. Uh, it it's nice to have a little bit of a break, but we're all in this crazy business and this crazy circus. We're such creatures of habit. Uh, I, I find myself trying to get my suitcase <laughs> out come on Thursdays, just trying to pack, but there's nowhere to go. Brother Moody, what about you? I'm the same way, Michael. I, I got a little sand between my toes this weekend. I had a couple of uh, discretionary cocktails. It was nice. But I'll tell you, it, it's very odd because I'm in a similar situation as Alex. I had my suitcase put away in the closet, and uh, and I think it got back out all by itself just to try and remind me that this won't last forever. So we'll be back at it here pretty soon. Yeah, we are, uh, we are creatures of habit, no doubt. We will pick up the schedule at Watkins Glen. That's coming up one week from Saturday. We're double-dipping with the trucks and the Xfinity Series, and then one week from Sunday with the NASCAR Cup Series. Well, being that we're in this two-week break, we've had a lot of racing to bring us to this point. Dave, I'll start with you. When you look back and you reflect on where we've come in the 22 races that we've run so far, what are some standout moments? What are some standout storylines? that have led us and brought us to this point? You know, I, it boils down to me, Mike, the number one storyline of the year has been expect the unexpected from the start of it all at Daytona, where we had an, uh, an upset winner to, you know, to even now where we're within striking distance of the playoffs, where Denny Hamlin has yet to win. Kevin Harvick has yet to win. Uh, Harvick, at least, has a couple of scenarios out there that could keep him from actually keep him from qualifying for the playoffs. It's been an amazing year where 
just when you think you've got a handle on what's going on out there, you realize that you don't. And, you know, case in point was last time out at New Hampshire where that win by Eric Almirola just turned the entire playoff system completely and totally upside down. Without Eric Almirola winning, Austin Dillon is in the playoffs by 116 points, relatively comfortable. Almirola wins. And Austin Dillon's five points out of the playoffs, anything but comfortable. That, to me, in a nutshell, has been the season. We'll get a little deeper in depth on this playoff shakeup coming out of New Hampshire, leading us back into Watkins Glen here in just a little bit. Alex, what about you? What are some of your takeaways here? Well, I think uh, uh, to the same theme as Dave, to an extent, is the fact that there's been so much change and so much change in the fact that look at the different winners we've got going on. I mean, starting with the day 500, Michael McDowell picks up the win and it's been a pleasantly good surprise to see McDowell continue to run towards the front of the field for the better part of the season. Uh, sure. They've stubbed their toe a few times along the way, but overall they've had some good consistent runs and, and maintained. And I think proving that that Daytona 500 win wasn't a fluke. Christopher Bell gets his first career win, albeit on a road course, which is a bit shocking. And then I think with the new venues that we've gone to in the NASCAR Cup Series, with Circuit of the Americas, uh, obviously Road America, and we've got another brand new venue for the Cup Series still to go before the playoffs start, and that's at the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So given the fact that last year was such a, a unique season and a unique experience for everybody in the sport, We've adapted well, and I think everybody's going along a nice flow and accepting different changes, different winners, different racetracks. But the bottom line is it's been entertaining every single week. Well, Dave, Dave touched on something interesting, you know, expect the unexpected. I think that when a race season starts, we all sit down and we say, yeah, we're going to see this, and yeah, we're going to see that. And a lot of that is based off the previous season. Denny Hamlin not winning and Kevin Hamlin or Kevin Harvick not winning at this stage of the year, I did not see. And it seems like every single week we get a curveball here, we get a curveball there. For instance, I didn't have Kyle Larson winning at Las Vegas. I thought he would win. I didn't think he would win that fast. And based on what we saw last year, I had assumed that the whole SHR, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Joe Gibbs Racing Express was going to continue. Alex, I didn't see the derailment in that, and I find it hard to believe we got four races to go in the regular season, and those two still haven't won a race yet. No, Denny Hamlin's run well enough to win races. Uh, he, he's obviously very consistent, very good, leading laps and having good finishes. He's trying to win the regular season championship to guarantee himself a spot in the playoffs. I, he's going to be safe, I think, no matter what. But I'm with you. I would not have put... Kyle Busch is a multi-time winner, given the fact that he struggled so much last year. Christopher Bell getting a win in the second race of the season. We knew Truex was going to be good. Uh, he won three times already this year. But I didn't have Denny Hamlin being the guy that hasn't won a race yet in the Joe Gibbs racing camp. Same with Kevin Harvick. Although we kind of knew they were going to, to struggle right out of the box this year, given the fact that NASCAR changed some things up with the, the way they're going to tech the race cars and a little bit in the rules. So they they were going to have to struggle to find that speed and regain it. Harvick's run well on occasion, but overall they just have not been a threat week in and week out like we expected. I think that is a big surprise this year to see both Hamlin and Harvick, two guys who dominated last year, just really not being at the front of the field when the checkered flag flies. 
And Dave, uh, obviously, Hendrick Motorsports was the first organization to put all four cars in the playoffs through wins. I never had Alex Bowman winning two races before some drivers won once. It seems like this, the success equity has been widespread over at Hendrick Motorsports this year, as opposed to recent years past. It really has. And equally surprising, Alex is spot on, you know, being surprised with the, the lack of performance out of Stuart Haas racing. I don't think anybody, with all due respect, at the start of this season had Hendrick Motorsports as the dominant organization in the NASCAR Cup Series. They've had a couple of years of of relative struggle by by their definition of struggle at least and even though chase elliott won the championship last year it could be argued that he wasn't necessarily the dominant guy throughout the year but hendrick motorsports hit the ground running they've shown no signs of letting up kyle larson after not even competing a year ago is the winningest driver in the cup series right now he shows no signs of letting up either and and you you know you look at who's third in points right now William Byron, with virtually no attention, no fanfare, no credit whatsoever, that young man's getting the job done at a really high level right now. I think it's a conceivable conversation to have Hendrick Motorsports maybe even sweeping the championship four, but certainly putting three in the championship four, the way those cars have run consistently all year. Well, to get there, we have to get through four regular season races and nine playoff races. We'll talk playoffs and that tightening playoff vice as our NASCAR Live Fast Forum continues. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like sixth grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We are back on NASCAR Live. Our NASCAR Live Fast Forum with Dave Moody and Alex Hayden continues. We just teased a moment ago about the playoffs beginning in a month's time. The last time we were on the racetrack, Dave, the old playoff grid got thrown into a tizzy with Eric Almarola winning, and now he's playoff eligible, and that pushed everybody down, including half of the RCR fleet now out of playoff territory. That sets up one of very uh, one of a number of very interesting storylines for the next four weeks, and that's two RCR teammates, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, battling tooth and nail for what could be the final uh, the final transfer spot into the playoffs. But you know what, Eric Almirola did at New Hampshire could happen again at Watkins Glen. It could happen again and again and again after that. That's what's going to make these next four weeks so fascinating because a lot of people that a couple of weeks ago thought that they were reasonably secure, reasonably comfortable in terms of making the playoffs and getting onto the postseason now don't have anything approaching a guarantee. And there are so many different strategies out there. Guys that can roll the dice and be aggressive because they have nothing to lose. Guys that have to play the cards close to the best. It's going to be really interesting to see these next four weeks play out. And with those next four races, two of them are on road courses. So you got to think Chase Elliott at Watkins Glen is going to be the guy to beat. 
So when you look at those drivers who have not gotten a win just yet, how does that play out? Then we go to Indianapolis on the road course, which nobody in the Cup Series has run that in a Cup car. I think that's going to be an interesting play. And then Michigan, I, I think, is one of them, especially in the Richard Childress Racing Camp. They've been so good with the 550 package. That could be one of those tracks for Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon to jump up and really shine. Because the last race of the regular season at Daytona, we know Austin Dillon can win at the World Center of Racing. He's done it before, but nobody wants to go to Daytona in a must-win situation. Uh, but I think the diversity of these next four tracks, I think that's going to be very telling. I do think it sets up very well, however, for Richard Childress Racing. I think you're right there. I think that they made some progress. There's obviously more work to be done, but compared to where they were this time last year, there has been market improvements. In your opinion, you know, we talk about going to Watkins Glen, going to Indy, going to Michigan, then Daytona. Alex, I'll begin with you on this. Who is going all in on Daytona? Who is who is the one that that that's the promised land that if we've got a shot to do this, we can do it at Daytona and get in the playoffs? I think there's two of them that really come to mind for me, and that's Cole Custer. He was a playoff driver before. Now Cole Custer, to me, is one of those drivers. He can draft, and I think he's such a quiet guy by nature, and we know Stuart Haas Racing's been down just a bit this year, but he's good in the draft. So I think Cole Custer's one that fits that mold, and I also think Ross Chastain is that guy because to <clears throat> me – especially at Daytona, it's going to take some aggression. You're going to have to do anything and everything you possibly can in the draft, especially in the closing laps, to give yourself a chance. I think Ross Chastain and Cole Custer are two of those guys I think fit that mold. Dave, what about you? I'd add a couple of more names to that list for sure, and it's really interesting that a lot of the guys who are in win-or-else territory right now just happen to be really good super speedway racers. Guys like Austin Dillon, guys like Ross Chastain, and Bubba Wallace, and Ricky Stenhouse, and Daniel Suarez. Uh, you know, Ryan Newman was 150 yards away from winning at Daytona before the world turned upside down not too long ago. So there are going to be a lot of people going to that final regular season race, the, the regular season finale with a win or else mentality. Little bit of desperation can be darned exciting at Daytona on the average day with one chance and one chance only to try and save your season. I can't wait to see what goes down there. Let's get one more thought from you. Shifting the gears of conversation. Uh, got word that Brad Keselowski is leaving Team Penske. Minority owner at Roush Fenway. He'll drive the six. Of course, this is on the heels of Denny Hamlin venturing into ownership territory with Michael Jordan for 2311. Jeff Gordon coming out of the Fox booth and going over to take a, a, a big role with Hendrick Motorsports. Dave, what do you make about the new frontier of ownership? It seems like we've asked the question, where's the new NASCAR owner coming from? It seems like it's coming from within. Yeah, and we've absolutely answered that question. You know, a couple of years ago, the average age of NASCAR of a NASCAR owner was late 70s, early 80s. That number has dropped dramatically now with the addition of guys like Justin Marks, Brad Keselowski coming on, Jeff Gordon coming on. So it's a whole different landscape right now. And Mike, I think it all boils down to some degree or another to the next gen race car and the impact that that new machine is going to have on the business model for our sport. That and a lot of the changes that are being made from the inside out by the sanctioning body 
are setting up a scenario where it doesn't take $30 million a year every single year to compete for the NASCAR Cup Series championship. That two or three years down the road where they, after they get this new car all amortized out, it's actually going to cost a whole lot less than it used to, which is why for the first time you hear guys like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller considering it, where you see guys like Matt Collig coming aboard, you see TMS Racing talking about coming aboard, Justin Marks and Danny Hamlin and Pitbull and Michael Jordan. All of a sudden, the dollars and cents of this thing make a whole lot more sense than they ever had before, and I think that's a big factor. Yeah, I think that's that's a spot on deal because <clears throat> the, the the new race car opens a lot of doors. The financial part of it certainly, but I think it it may open some doors as well about potential new manufacturers because this can open the door to bring in some new uh new blood if you will on the manufacturer front and that can diversify the garage that we have already who knows how it's going to play out we know you know years and years ago when dodge elected to come back into this sport nobody expected ray evernham to be the one that jump ship and go over there and head up the whole dodge deal and start a brand new race team they had success there with casey kane and bill elliott so something like that another scenario with another manufacturer and a surprise new owner or owners to come into play as well. I think it's intriguing. I think it's fun and I think it's good for the sport. And I think it's nice to see that we're starting to see where that next crop of owners is. Can't wait. The future is very bright. Uh, speaking of futures, did I understand correctly? You know, you talked about opening this fast forum up with uh, the suitcase finding its way out of the closet. You boys doing some racing this weekend? Alex, what do you got? Yeah, Dave and I uh, have been fortunately uh, been asked to come up to Lancaster Speedway at the New York International Raceway Park to, to do the, the NASCAR Wheeling Modified Tour Race this coming Saturday night. Uh, if you're going to be in the New York area or wherever in that, that central area, please come out and join us. Uh, looking forward to seeing the Modifieds, the New Way Auto Parts 150. Going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not so sure they knew what they were getting involved with, Dave, when, when they asked you and I to come pick up the public address mic microphones but we're going to do it we're going to have a lot of fun with it i don't know what they were thinking either but uh, they they're stuck with us now i announced i announced at lancaster speedway on the old american canadian tour with super late models back in 1986 1987 and 1988 so i haven't been there in like 33 years can't wait to get back there i guarantee you the tampa tornado robbie crouch will not win like he did the last time i was there but we're gonna have a good time mike 86, oh you did 87 88 weren't you and i still in high school in those days oh come on now <laughs> in which millennium no i'm kidding all right guys thank you for the time fast forum has drawn to a close appreciate you guys for participating we'll we'll see each other and we'll we'll reconvene at a track soon Look forward to it. Thank See you, guys. Michael. Dave Moody, Alex Hayden in the NASCAR Live Fast Forum. More of NASCAR Live coming up. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. IndyCar driver Sage Karam is set to make his NASCAR debut in next month's Xfinity Series race at the Indianapolis Road Course. Karam will be driving the number 31 Chevy for Jordan Anderson Racing. Woody Kane had a chance to catch up with Sage following the recent announcement. 
You may know him from the IndyCar ranks, but he's also done just a little bit of everything, it seems, in racing. iRacing, remote control cars, dirt bikes, the IMSA car series, the Rolex 24, you name it. But Sage, now you're going to go race in the Xfinity series. Are you just trying to check off all the items on the bucket list or what? Yeah, you know, I think as a race car driver, it's really good to, you know, get in as much stuff as you possibly can. You learn more and more with everything you get to drive. Um, so this is just something for me to, to you know, get a good good try at. And, and hopefully uh, it's something that leads to something else down the road. Um, I've always said that I really wanted to get an, X, an Xfinity car. Um, I just really never knew how to get about that, like who to contact and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we had a really good run at the Indy 500 this year, getting seventh. And I think that opened up some doors. And, you know, I'm really excited to uh, to be on board with Jordan Anderson Racing in the number 31 Montage Mountain uh, Chevy Camaro. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun going to one of my favorite tracks at, you know, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course this time. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Two top 10 finishes in the Indy 500, and that's a resume a lot of guys would say, okay, I've done everything I wanted to do in racing, but you're continuing to move forward. I'm wondering about your, uh, how many laps do you have, for example, on the road course at Indy? I know you've done the, the, the traditional oval. Yeah, I have a, I have a, a couple. You know, I, I did two IndyCar races there last year on the road course. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely fresh in my mind of, of how, the, how the place goes. I just never drove anything like an Xfinity car. Uh, you know, it's, with it being a stock car, it, it's completely different from what I'm using. So it's going to be a big learning experience, even though I know the uh, circuit quite well. Um, you know, it's a completely different world for me going into a stock car. So I have a lot to learn and, and a lot to, to, to handle. But, um, you know, I think with Jordan, you know, by my side and, and within his equipment, you know, I think he's um, definitely going to give me a car that is capable of doing very, very well there. And I just got to kind of learn from everybody and, and every lap I'm out there, just keep chipping away at it and uh, hopefully uh, bring home a strong result. August 14th is the date of that Xfinity race at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. So between now and then, what's on your calendar? I know you'll be making more phone calls likely and, and getting up with the team and that type of thing, but you've got a busy calendar all around, it seems like. Yeah, we, uh, you know, definitely going to be busy the next couple of weeks leading up to the race. So I'll be going down to Charlotte um, on Wednesday to meet the team, do a seat fit, get comfortable in there and, and kind of just get acclimated a little bit. And then hopefully I can get on the uh, simulator for a day or two while I'm down there at Chevy. So, um, you know, definitely going to be busy getting ready for that with going down to Charlotte. And then for just at home, you know, I, I have a simulator at my house that, that I'll be trying to take full advantage of. Um, and, now, we're not talking about like an iRacing rig, right? We're talking about a next level from that? I mean, it's it's iRacing. So, like, it's not, you know, it'll give me some sort of references and stuff. But, you know, for me, like, it'll be really good to go down to Charlotte and get into the actual Chevrolet sim. I think that'll be a big help for me. It was a big help for me in IndyCar. Um, so, if I can get down there for a day or two, I'd take full advantage of that. Um, but like you said earlier, you know, we don't get much testing anymore, you know, and uh, so I'm going to have to show up on my A game ready to go and, uh, you know, learn everything quite quickly. And with I think it's only one practice and a qual and then then race, uh, you know, you, you got to you got to get after it. So a lot of things I got to learn in a short amount of time. But, you know, we're ready for the challenge.
I mentioned at the beginning that you had done some some IMSA racing as well. You were with Ganassi for a while in the Rolex 24, uh, running with Jamie McMurray, among others, Scott Pruitt. Uh, I, I know that's still apples and oranges, but did, did that experience anything from that, you think? Will that help you make this transition because it's sort of like a, I don't know, maybe a step between the Indy cars and the stock cars? I think so. You know, I, I definitely have some sports car experience, like you said, with uh, Chip Ganassi. I ran prototype. Uh, you know, I, of course, I have some really cool teammates over there, like Scott Pruitt and Jamie McMurray. I had Kyle Larson one year and then a bunch of the IndyCar guys as well for Daytona 24. So that was a lot of fun. And then I raced for Lexus uh, for two years in, um, in GTD. And I think that's more more similar than prototype was probably to, to stock car. So I'm hoping that that kind of feeling is, is similar. I know there's going to be still key differences. Um, you know, the, the sports car has traction control and ABS system and stuff like that. So I know the stock car doesn't have those things. Um, so, you know, there's definitely going to be things that are, that are different that I gotta, I gotta learn, but, I, but I am hoping that that's kind of like a bridging the gap, you know? So, We'll see. Again, I just feel like I'm not going to know until I just get out there and just start turning laps and seeing what I'm feeling. But what I do know is that I'm going to be a giant sponge, you know, that entire weekend and just learning and learning and learning. And, and hopefully I can just bring home the, the best result possible for the team. My grandfather told me one time, you stop learning, you stop living. And I think that's a fact. The older I get, the more I see that he's, he's right on the money with that. What do you um, hope to get from this experience other than learning something? Is it something that you'd like to continue doing down the road? Are there more maybe on your calendar this year? Or is everything still kind of up in the air right now? Yeah. You know, I think for me, I, I go into every race hoping that I do my absolute best, that it can lead to more opportunities down the road. Um, so that's always been my goal. And, and I always will go in wanting to win. Um, you know, I know it's, it's going to be a hard challenge for me since it is so new to me, but I, I do want to win races and I, and, and finish on the podium and, and do my absolute best. So I know if I can go in there with that mentality and, and have a strong result, it, it could probably lead to some more races down the road. Um, you know, I, I, I think I definitely want to try more racing and this is is definitely one of the first steps whether i want to you know go do a, a truck race or or something like that i think that would be a lot of fun as well i want to try some dirt stuff um but yeah i, I think uh i'm a race you know i'm definitely i'm a racer i want to be racing week in and week out and um this is probably the first step in, into accomplishing that i just got to produce on track and, and give people a reason to keep putting me in a car Aside from this Xfinity deal, what's the rest of your racing calendar that you do know about already for this year look like? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, this is this is basically what I got on it. And, um, you know, I've been talking with the team, trying to get a couple more races um, in Xfinity put on there as well. So, you know, I'd like to try some more road course racing. I'd, I'd love to try a short track um, and then eventually maybe get to a, a super speedway or something. So. Uh, I, you know, I think we're definitely in talks with doing some more races with Jordan. Uh, we just, I think right now, everybody's just kind of waiting and seeing how the weekend goes at Indy. And, and, you know, I think if it goes smoothly, there's a good chance we could be at some more races. Catch that full interview on MRN Out Loud or wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up next, a look at the demand for charters and later a look at NASCAR's relationship with the Olympics. 
NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. It may be only July, but silly season seems to already be underway as drivers look for new teams and owners are in search of charters. Our Kyle Rickey has more. As the 2021 NASCAR season heads closer to its finale in Phoenix, it also seems to be heading to a very chaotic, silly season. Drivers scrambling for rides won't be the only headlines this offseason. Owners scrambling for charters seems just as intense as it's only July. With the next generation car debuting in 2022, many owners believe it will be a much more cost-friendly vehicle. And that is already creating a surge in new owners. In 2021, three new teams made their debut. Trackhouse Racing, 2311 Racing, and Live Fast Motorsports. Just a few years ago, the cost to buy a charter and guarantee yourself a spot in the field each week was low. Fire Motorsports jumped in early, according to team co-owner Jeff Dickerson. When we got in, it seemed like nobody wanted in. And that was and that was beachfront property, you know, and and um, and now that the charter market, I was saying it last year, you know, and it didn't feel like anybody believed me where I was just like, hey, this is the charter market is really robust. And um, I, and I think the existing teams, I think there were teams that saw it and teams that couldn't believe it. Dickerson believes the charter system booming and giving team owners a way to get their money back if they bought in is exactly what NASCAR was hoping for. But this had to be what they had in mind as, as, as charter values grow, there's at least something for the team owners, you know, to, to, to sell that it's just not pennies on the dollar on your cars or your equipment. So, you know, I, I wanna, this, that had to be what they were hoping for. And then when you just put the next gen car on top of it, um, it just compounds, you know, the, the um, I guess the goodness of the of the of the whole deal because the the economics the economics of the sport can change if the teams will let it change the price of charters is also no joke with rumors of some going for 10 million dollars swirling around so much so that when dale earnhardt jr was thinking of taking junior motorsports cup racing he reportedly heard that price and said nope Justin Marks, co-owner of Trackhouse Racing, struggled to secure a charter for his team, so he found a different avenue. I, I bid on and lost three charters in 2020, and that, that sort of frustration um, got me to a point where I had to take a step back and look at this differently, try to look at this differently. Um, that, you know, what I told Ty is I said, let's, let's not lose sight of where there might be charters or business opportunities for track house that no, where nobody is looking um, you know a lot of these owners are towards the end of their careers and I, I was just thinking maybe there's somebody out there that that you know is ready to make a change is ready to step away or ready to move on and focus on other things and, and I just literally just started with Chip. Marks and his team bought Chip Ganassi Racing's NASCAR operation for an undisclosed price but they went and bought a team that's been around for 20 years with two charters as Chip Ganassi said, Justin Marks didn't impress him with the numbers to buy the team. He impressed him with his vision of where he wants Trackhouse to go in the sport. You know, like I said up there, I, 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 like I said already, you know, there's a lot of, seems to be some movement going on in the sport right now. A lot of young blood, a lot of new people coming in. 
And you take a look at that and you say, you know, that's what I did 20 years ago or whatever. And so you say it's time to, you know, it's time for the next group to take over here. In June of 2021, College Racing announced they were the fourth team since 2021 to become a full-time cup team for 2022 with two charters. Well, uh, I'm super excited and super proud of, of these guys sitting up here and really everybody at College Racing. I mean, it's a, it is a really big day for me. It's a really big day for Chris uh, and our whole College Racing team. Um, you know, even to be able to announce this. As you guys know, there's been so many people that are that are hunting charters, you know, over the last uh, year or so, and uh, and we got we got two of them. So uh, Chris Rice did an unbelievable job, and uh, and heading that up, and um, just a really really great job. The big question was, where did they get two charters when even one was hard to come by? Spire Motorsports, just like Jeff Dickerson predicted charter landscape is changing now with so many new teams entering the field and others continuing to look in adding additional cars i.e denny hamlin and 2311 racing how much are they willing to pay for a charter will some new teams take a chance and run without a charter jtg doherty racing is already running a second car without one and that car hasn't missed a race this season it's possible if the price is steeper than some may want to pay. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, a look at NASCAR's relationship with the Olympics and later this week in NASCAR history. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. Winding our way to conclusion on this week's NASCAR Live, NASCAR continues its two-week hiatus during the Olympic Games taking place in Tokyo. While NASCAR isn't an Olympic sport, it doesn't mean that the two don't have a relationship. Our Woody Kane is here to take us inside the former partnership between NASCAR and the Olympics. Just over a decade ago, NASCAR Ideas powered Americans to gold in Olympic bobsledding, breaking a 62-year drought. The idea for having NASCAR-style technology try to build a better bobsled came from 18-time Cup Series winner Jeff Bodine, who described realizing while watching the 1992 Olympics that American athletes were using hand-me-down sleds from other countries. I called uh, some friends of mine up in Connecticut, uh, Bob Cuneo and the late Bobby Valancourt, and uh, they had a company named Chassis Dynamics. We'd, we'd race together, built race cars together, modifieds, even built a, a late model, a bush car together. And so we were just friends from way back. And uh, when, I, when I opened my mouth and said I wanted to do this, I said, oh, no, who am I going to get to do it? My trick crew was busy. I was busy racing NASCAR. We just didn't have time. And they'd never seen a bobsled before. I'd never seen one before. We knew nothing about bobsledding, but we knew a lot about racing, and we thought we could take what we learned in, in racing short tracks and racing NASCAR and apply it to a bobsled, and you know what? They did it. Bodine needed to raise money and awareness to fund the effort, and that led to the Bodine Bobsled Challenge. That's B-O-D-Y-N for Bodine himself and Chassis Dynamics. The event was held at the former Olympic site in Lake Placid, New York, from 2006 to 2010, pitting NASCAR drivers against drag racers from the NHRA, racing bobsleds. Oh, he's upside down. Todd Bodine has crashed the sled. 
sliding on its right side, banging up against the wall. Bodine is upside down along with his brakeman, USA men's bobsled head coach Brian Scheimer. That sled is sliding now to a stop, and Todd Bodine, who's been the fastest all weekend long, has turned the sled over. He has crashed it in about the turn 18 area, and that is going to hand the victory to Morgan Lucas, a major upset. Incidentally, Boris Sed won the first three events. His father, Bob, was a member of the U.S. bobsled team in 1968. Jeff Bodine says the group realized the concepts used in NASCAR could also apply to make faster sleds. In racing, we like a stiff chassis to hold the springs and the tires on a car. In bobsledding, you want it real flexible, kind of like a noodle. And Bobby uh, uh, really worked hard to find that right combination so uh, the, the, the frame and chassis flexed enough. So when Steve drove it down the track, it handled good. The Steve Bodine referred to was USA bobsled driver Steve Holcomb, who described the difference in those sleds on NASCAR Live back in 2010. We always kind of joke around that uh, we like the Cadillac of bobsleds. I mean, it's just a real soft, smooth ride. You know, every everybody, everybody that gets in our sleds, you know, we've, we've had other foreign teams get in. They've never driven one, but they've sat in the back before, and they go down, and they're like, it blows their mind how different of a ride, how smooth it is, and how, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, brakemen don't last very long because they get beat up a lot. 2018 Cup champion Joey Logano was among the drivers who participated in the challenge, winning in 2010. He later had them built in a race shop he owned in Huntersville, North Carolina. You know, as fast as they look like they're going on TV, it feels that fast inside it. And that's that's crazy. You know, in a race car, they look like they're going really fast. And, and inside it, you kind of get used to that speed. Um, when I did it, I wasn't going as fast as they were. I was only going like 70. I felt like I was really hauling the mail. <laughs> And the hard part is, is you got to remember this track, and there's so many turns, and what's coming up next, and you, know, you forget when you, you go upside down, and then you don't stop, you know, as you're sliding all the way down on your roof, or your helmet in that case, so there's a lot that goes into that stuff for sure. Armed with those new sleds, Team USA won the gold in the 2010 Winter Olympics for the first time since 1948, and Holcomb said the pairing clicked. From the get-go, I've been excited to have them be a part of this. You know, we just needed any support we could find. We were relying on the foreign sleds and you know obviously the germans aren't going to give me a good sled especially sure. now it's just great to know that the support was going to be there and just to come out and help us out you know they have, they've got resources that uh, nobody else no other country in the world's got with you know the nascar backing and uh, you know technology that no other country can use so it, it's been pretty cool it's been a great ride bodine says the project was one of the most rewarding of his career who would have thought that jeff bodine a nascar racer uh, would ever build bob sleds and ever go to the olympics and be involved with a team to win a, a medal and especially a gold medal so i'm very blessed very happy be very proud of our country, and that's why I did that, because American athletes weren't using American-made bobsleds, and uh, being a proud American, I said, I'm going to change that, and because of my success in racing, and especially NASCAR racing, I could afford to do it, so I took a little bit of that money I won in NASCAR, and we started building bobsleds. Of course, Steve Hulk and his team went out there and did the job. They did the hard work, and Steve never made a mistake. The team was just flawless, and they ended up with that gold medal, so I'm really proud of them. Thank you, Woody. Coming up next, This Week in NASCAR History. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to put a bow on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, my friend Susie Armstrong is back with This Week in NASCAR History. Thanks, Mike. 1985. 
Huey Lewis and the News made headlines with the hit The Power of Love and kept the story going with Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, and a flux capacitor in the box office busting Back to the Future. A faulty temperature sensor caused an abort to orbit for the 19th space shuttle launch as STS-51 ran afoul at T-plus 345, relegating Challenger to a lower-than-planned orbit. And Cale Yarborough was on a mission in Alabama, beating Neil Bonnet to the line in the Talladega 500. Bouchard tries to go underneath Bonnet, he can't. Bouchard's backing out. It's A.J. Foyt that's going up ahead of Bouchard. Bonnet's put the pedal down. Your leader off of turn four is Cale Yarbrough. Eight car lengths back to Neil Bonnet. Then two lap cars. One is A.J. Foyt, one is Richard Petty, and a slowing run. Bouchard with a damaged front end. Cale Yarbrough looking for his first ever Talladega 500 victory. Harold Kinder has the checkered flag. Cale wins it. Neil Bonnet takes second. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. 1996. Alanis Morissette's spicy vocals and scathing explicit lyrics took You Oughta Know to the top of the charts. The games of the 26th Olympiad were winding to a close in Atlanta, with Team USA claiming 25 bronze, 32 silver, and 44 gold medals. Unlikely comrades Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum team up to rid the world of those awful aliens in the summer blockbuster Independence Day. And Jeff Gordon stopped the Ford invasion at the front of the field, scoring the win in the diehard 500 at Talladega. Jeff Gordon on the defensive. He tucks it down to the inside of the racetrack. Dale Jarrett peeks down low. No room to make the move to the inside. Nobody steps out of line. Jeff Gordon leads back to the checkered flag. Here they come off the final corner. One lap car down to the inside of the racetrack. They sweep into the trioval for the final time. Jarrett will look down low. He will not have enough momentum to make a run at Gordon. They come off the trioval, and Jeff Gordon is going to win the Die Hard 500. Two thousand four, the diary of Alicia Keys continued to deliver the hits with "If I Ain't Got You" climbing into the top five on Billboard's Hot 100. Academy Award winner Marlon Brando passes away, leaving a body of work that spanned six decades and featured some of film's most classic character portrayals. Massachusetts Senator John Kerry accepted the Democratic nomination to run as the party's candidate in a bid to unseat incumbent George W. Bush. And Jimmy Johnson was the king of the tricky triangle, sweeping in the Poconos with victory in the Pennsylvania 500 at Pocono Raceway. Here 
Here comes Jimmy Johnson for the final time. Off the end of the short shoot, setting up for the corner number three, heading for the checkers. It's all Jimmy Johnson as has been so much today, well in front of the field. He's been in charge all afternoon here at Pocono, and Jimmy Johnson will complete the Pocono sweep. He won here in June. He wins again here today in the Pennsylvania 500, giving him four wins this year. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. And we'd also like to thank Sage Karam for joining us this week, along with our Dave Moody and Alex Hayden. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, thank you so much for being a part of our show. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.